1: From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, Val Anderson tells us about their new book, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film.
2: It's important for... Trans folks to know that we belong to a long line of trans brilliance and excellence.
1: But first, it's our chance to sit back and unwind from the week that was with two excellent humans. With us this week, we have Tracy Hunt, a correspondent and producer at WNYC Studios. Tracy, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Also, here is journalism lecturer at Northwestern University, my friend Ariane Nettles. Ari, hello. Hi. Okay, so I think we should start by like just briefly discussing three very bougie institutions that all kind of converged Ooh. this week between the Coronation of King Charles and the Kentucky Derby and the Westminster Dog Show. I am curious <laughs> for each of you, which one would you rather attend? Tracy, what do you think?
3: Like, not e- the dog show. like. <laughs> Not even, (laughs) no question? No question, yeah. I felt the same way.
1: Yeah. So why? (laughs) Tell us why. Explain your reasoning
3: here. Well, I just just love dogs. And, um, you know, I'm not even like, you know, I guess I can go on a whole tangent about, you know colonialism, institutional racism, you know, I right, can do all right, of that, right, but right, really right. it's just, I love dogs. <laughs> I mean, all that stuff is definitely true, but uh-huh. at the end of the day, I just love dogs. I thought, I love their dumb little faces. I want to give them all the kisses. I, Aww. you know, and I also feel like, you know, I, it, you know, as a journalist, I would be, I guess I'd be curious about what it's like to, um, you know, uh, go to a coronation. But at the end of the day, I also think it would just probably be very like boring and hot, mm-hmm. Like I, yes. I, I imagine the the church should be very stuffy. I have no interest. <laughs> no, I
1: hear you. And like, I don't know how naive this is about Westminster, but like, you know, there were reports about the horses that were killed, you know, um, As part of the whole derby thing. Like, obviously, there have been deaths related to the throne over centuries. (laughs) So, yeah, Westminster definitely seems like the most benign, probably the best dress code, too. Ari, what do you think?
4: So, I actually surprised myself with this answer. Because when I thought about it, I was like, actually, I think it would be the coronation. Really? Um, yeah, you, I know exactly, right? Like, because you've been watching <laughs> Queen Charlotte, isn't it? <laughs> you know what? I'm I, Queen Charlotte had me crying, but it <laughs> is really because, like, you know, I'm I'm Black American, and so of of course I'm not wild about the monarchy in that way, but, mm. um, I think that. They are going to have like, or that they had the best fashions, you know, like the best ensembles. Mm. And I'm a fashion girly, so I can like sit back and watch people bring it, you know, like even like every photo I saw, I was like, oh, that's cute. Well, I like that little <laughs> hat, you know, but y'all are right that maybe I would fall asleep during the actual coronation. <laughs> Well, not if you have to keep standing up. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe I just want to do the red, you know, like the red carpet, like, you know, do the red carpet. Then I go to the London McDonald's or something and then come back for the concert.
1: (laughs) There you go. I respect it. I respect it. (laughs) So a piece of news that I found very interesting this week is that President Biden has proposed regulations that would make airlines that would like require airlines to pay passengers for canceled flights. And maybe even meals and lodgings if it came down to it. Um, this would be for like cancellations for reasons within the airline's control. I find this to be fascinating because it's one of those things where it's like, how has this not been required all along?
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, it was kind of like, wait, that's not that's not a thing like they aren't required. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's kind of it's it's sucky that people have to learn how to, like, argue for these things that you should just get because we all know. If a flight, for example, is canceled, there's a lot of other like hidden fees and things that you lose. Right. Like not being able to go somewhere like there's there's other costs. Right. Like even let's say you parked at the airport. Now you got to, you know, stay at the airport. Like there's all these extra fees. And so I think making it so that people don't have to be so savvy and try to make sure that they know what to say, but that they should just be given what they are owed
1: it's crazy yeah biden apparently said your time matters and the impact on your life matters which is like wow what a validating idea
3: it's <laughs> crazy
0: know.
3: <laughs> you know i was um i recently had like a little air- airline shenanigan and at some point they um well basically it was like a weather thing and then it was one of those things where like on one level, it wasn't their fault, but then the way they handled it was their fault. You know what mm. I mean? Like, so, like, yeah. I didn't start out mad at them, but then I got more mad at them yeah. as I, like, saw how they were handling the situation. And then at one point, like, on hour five, it was just, Ugh. like, standing around in, like, a crowded airport. You know, they were, they, they were like, oh, we're going to start handing out meal vouchers. And they were handing out meal vouchers for $12. And mm-hmm. my airport, we know how airport food is, yes. right? Yes. Yes. But how about, No restaurants for taking the vouchers.
1: Uh. See, that was (laughs) my cynical self when I first saw this was like, this is lovely, except we're going to end up in like sketchy, like roach motels. It
3: has (laughs) to be cash. I mean, yeah, like it's one thing to be put up in like a a hotel or whatever, like by the airport. Like that's, that's fine. I can deal with that for one night or whatever, Mm. but From that situation, I was like, I'm not taking anything less than cash.
1: I feel like shenanigans is a very generous word. Mm -mm. So what other industry do you think should be paying us when they fail to do their jobs? i mean fill in the blank right <laughs> i mean
3: um the healthcare industry. <laughs> oh, industry yeah. really good one yeah i was i was actually because i've been to the doctor a lot recently i'm fine but I, I i was i kept thinking about how like um the doctor's office you forget that you're the customer yeah and i mean you know because you're like yeah in a lot of ways you like have to be there cause you have to check out this thing and have to make sure you're okay. Yeah. So it doesn't, so it kind of feels like you're there on the doctor's time for some reason. Yeah. Like, you know, but it's like, no, I'm no, you're, you're working for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think also the airline industry has, a, is a little close to that where it's like, you have no choice, but to interact with them. Like you don't actually have, it's always funny when the airline is, thank you for choosing Delta. Thank you for choosing. And it's like, well, you were the only ones flying here, so like let's <laughs> like let's keep it let's keep it real. Okay.
1: <laughs> so another story that caught our attention this week was about how to call cats. A researcher at a French university has just done a study, and the conclusion apparently is that cats respond best to both verbal and physical cues. So I guess you mean that means you have to like yell and flail to get them to come to you. <laughs> It all seems very arbitrary to me. Are are you a cat person, Tracy?
3: I do like cats and I one thing I like about them is that they're they're actually like sweeter and dumber and cuter and funnier than then people give them credit for mm. like, like, I, I feel like they is... dogs and I was like, well, I don't know about that. Well, well, I was, well, I was warming up to that, which is that <laughs> they actually like kind of have a lot in common with dogs. It's, mm. To me, That's like, the, that's like something that I've kind of figured out. Like they kind of, they respond to the same, a lot of the same cues as far as like, get, you know, they, they, they receive, they get the same oxytocin release from like getting pets and like snuggles mm. and kisses and things like that. And so I guess it's, you know, and when I call my dog, I also say her name and flail, flail a bit. I guess I'm not <laughs> that surprised. It's what it comes down to.
4: <laughs> Ariane, would you ever call a cat? You know, you ask that question that way because you know that I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm, I'm going to believe Tracy because I know that Tracy's the expert on small furry friends. <laughs> But I just feel like I didn't
3: go that far. I,
4: I feel you like, used the word oxytocin. It sounded real that's smart. Exactly. Right. Like I was like, oh, she knows. OK, she knows. So, I mean, I feel like most of the cats I know are really mean. I don't I know they're not all mean, but they just like hmm. they don't mess around. OK, they do what they want to do. They're not here like for your entertainment. Um They're going to snuggle when they want to snuggle. They're going to let you pet them when they want to pet you. So why are you calling them? Because they're going to do what they want to do. But I will say that it sounds like a good plan for, you know, calling small humans like toddlers and stuff. I do know a lot about about small humans. And so I think that that will work.
1: I was really hoping the results of the study were going to be like, turns out all cats respond to the same name and it's Steve. Right, That is a good cat name. I appreciate both of you and your time today. This was ridiculously fun.
3: This was fun. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you
1: for having us. In just a minute, we are going to talk with Trayvel Anderson about their
0: amazing new book, We See Each Other.
1: Our next guest is the delightful Trayvell Anderson. They have been on the show many times before, usually with their Fanti podcast co-host, but they're an entertainment journalist who's written about trans representation in media for years at places like Out Magazine and the LA Times. All that experience has not changed the fact that there is still a long way to go when it comes to trans people in the spotlight, in nuanced and positive light, instead of just with hurtful stereotypes.
2: I feel like so many trans folks that I knew in community, like, they knew of this show or they remembered this character from this thing. Um, but there wasn't a place where I felt like I could go and, like, find as many things that would be of import to me.
1: So Trayvel has made that resource. Their new book is called We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. It's all about connecting some of the dots in the history of trans visibility on screen, but it's also about their own journey of self discovery as a trans non binary person.
2: It's a labor of kind of like recontextualization and rebuilding and reframing and unlearning.
1: And as Angelica Ross puts it in her intro to this book, get ready for a raucous education.
2: I always say that I have a special razzle-dazzle with the way that I do things. And so it is a journey for sure. Um, But I hope that by the end of it, folks feel like empowered ultimately to stand up for and advocate on behalf of the trans people, especially the Black trans people who are already living among them.
1: This education starts as early as the book's dedication.
2: It says... For the ancestors from whom I specifically came, I don't know your names, but my spirit says you existed.
1: I just think this is so beautiful and so fitting for the book, since it really is in a lot of ways about people who were very intentionally erased from the record Mm -hmm. books.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, oftentimes a lot of the work that I do is about, you know, correcting the record, right? Mm -hmm. Like going into the archive and realizing the ways in which Black people, queer people, trans people, women, etc. have just not been documented or rendered appropriately Mm -hmm. and fully um but oftentimes we don't like turn that story into ourselves and into our own Mm. families um and for some odd reason you know my family would like me to believe that i am like the first trans person the first non-binary person in Mm. our bloodline um and you know I just don't feel like that's right. Um, hmm. And so that's why I wanted to kind of give some sort of recognition to, you know, the beings, the bodies, the experiences that I know walked this earth with my blood in their veins. Um, and also kind of recognizing that, unfortunately, history um, has erased them. So now I don't even get to know their name.
0: Mm.
1: I think there is something really beautiful about that in terms of sort of like the gift of lineage, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we talk so much about generational trauma, but I think, you know, obviously it's devastating that you that you don't know their name, but but having that hope and the the faith in your spirit I think is just a really beautiful sentiment.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think we are living through a moment right now, yeah. right, in which yeah. You know, there's a legislative assault on LGBTQ people, on black people, on trans people, trans women and girls more specifically. Mm-hmm. Um and oftentimes when you hear people on that other side say the things that they're saying, they make it seem as if we as trans people are something new right? Mm -hmm. That we just like, you know, dropped off, you know, I guess some, you know, alien ship or whatever (laughs) in, you know, 2014, 2015 when Laverne Cox was on Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. But like, we've always been here. Um, We might not have had the language, right, that we have today. um, But we definitely know that folks who lived outside and beyond what we often understand to be gender today existed. Um, And thrived. And I think it's important for trans folks to know that we belong to a long line of trans brilliance and excellence Um, because it is it is in knowing that history that I think I at least, you know, find a lot of power. Right. And a lot of like energy to keep to keep going.
1: You know, you have reported on pop culture for a really long time. I think people often kind of are like, oh, pop, like, oh, reality TV, whatever. But like, obviously, pop culture can have a huge impact on moving culture at large forward. Absolutely. And I think, especially in this context, especially with this book, that's what you're digging into. Can you talk a little more about that?
2: Yeah. You know, oftentimes, arts culture entertainment is just mm-hmm. like it's treated as 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 if it has no impact as if it is disposable as if it is just a thing that we put on the tv but it doesn't really matter hollywood doesn't really matter mm-hmm. but we've seen time and time again how what happens or you know takes place on screen has legitimately led to changes in culture, Mm -hmm. right? We always talk about how, you know, Will and Grace, you know, (laughs) led to marriage equality and Ellen coming out on her show led to marriage equality. We talk about modern family in that particular role. Um, When it comes to the images of trans people, particularly in a world in which, you know, the majority of folks believe they've never met a trans person. Right, right. The reality then is that which they are learning about us as trans people is coming from their TV screens, either Mm -hmm. their news or their stories, you know? (laughs) And so recognizing the connection between our cultural productions and how the culture operates is important. Um, And when we recognize that, then we can begin to, you know, for example, get through the head of a comedian like Dave Chappelle, that it's not just jokes.
1: Right. No, it's violence.
2: It is actual violence. It is it, it, it leads to actual violence. And it is in and of itself actual violence for the lives that we as trans people live in this country. I promise you we know how to laugh. I promise you we know Mm -hmm. how to have a good time, but perhaps it's just not funny because it's violent.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and you talk about this in the introduction. I think it's really interesting. You talk about going back and in the last couple of years watching boys don't cry, which is Mm -hmm. a devastating story. It's based on a true story. It's really graphic. I mean, I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago and was traumatized just watching it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a hard film to watch and, and, And you talk about the decision you made to instead of doing sort of like a 20,000 foot view, like here are literally all of the things in Mm -hmm. trans canon. You decided to give yourself permission to to really center yourself in these stories. Yeah. And that's what this book is about. And I I think it's a really fascinating choice. I think it's a beautiful one. I do wonder, like, did you get pushback about that? Like, what was it like to actually give yourself permission to be like, no, this is actually going to be about me. And that still means that it can be authoritative. You know what I mean?
2: I know exactly what you mean. You know, it's interesting because the, the book that I ultimately pitched and sold was this, you know, Perhaps more clinical approach to mm. telling this history, um, and as you mentioned, I, I put into the introduction. I was watching Boys Don't Cry, um, and I was like, "Oh, this is deeply traumatic, and it's triggering so many of my deepest fears as a trans person moving through the world trying to find love." Um, and so I was like, "That's I can't do that anymore." But what's what I what the feelings that are coming up like? that's what i need to be wrestling with more and more i've realized that like my power um and my my ability and my utility right in this work is coming from my personal experience and i think Mm -hmm. ultimately it allows folks to see with greater specificity the ways that these things these conversations these cultural touchstones pop up and impact their own lives
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you do such a great job too of of embracing nuance. I mean, I think it's really valuable and really interesting. I mean, you talk, you mentioned Tyler Perry, like the idea that that you can call his character in drag like both a personal affirmation and a story for and a site from which trans antagonisms arise. Like that's that's super complicated.
2: Oh, yes. You know, it's interesting because uh, all of my friends hate me because, um, (laughs) yes, I know the interview took a turn, but I'm going to bring it back. I promise.
3: (laughs) I believe Um, you. I believe you. I'm one for this ride.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My friends hate me because, you know, I'm all about the nuance. I'm all about the complexities. I'm all about making sure that we're looking at situations from as many perspectives as possible and ultimately realizing that, like, there can be good and bad, you know, all at once. Right. And so when it comes to Tyler Perry and it comes to Medea, like I'm from the South. I call mm-hmm. myself a church queen. You know, <laughs> I think that Tyler Perry and Medea factors heavily into, yes. you know, my understanding and thoughts around visibility. You know, as I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. You finished that character played and plays a huge role in my life. And yet I can also recognize that the same jokes that people make about Tyler Perry and those other types of characters that in particular black male comedians, right. Have gotten famous for playing right. Martin Lawrence as Shanae Nae, Jamie Foxx as Wanza, Eddie Murphy as a whole bunch of people. (laughs) (laughs) how the jokes that are said about those individuals are the exact same barbs and jokes and ultimately uh, an ultimate violence that we as black trans women and fems experience. And I think recognizing that that similarity at play and leaning into that very murky, very complex, very, Mm -hmm. you know, I might not have all the answers at the end of the day type of situation. I think that really allows us to just kind of truly do that personal and community and cultural interrogation that we should be doing, not as a means of disposing of Medea or Tyler Perry. I'm not interested in that, but I am interested in what I think is a proper kind of wrestling with and honoring of, right, Mm. these characters and the people they're said to represent.
1: Yeah, both of those things can be true. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, too, to see you explore reality TV in a similar way, which, you know, of course is sensational and can be completely absurd but which also has pretty great trans representation at least you know compared to a lot of other tv and movies we're seeing these days
2: yeah oftentimes when we talk about trans visibility and trans representation the focus is always on scripted characters and scripted portrayals Mm -hmm. often um Mm -hmm. and i think there's a purpose and a utility in that but in doing so We ignore or erase or don't also give flowers to all these other folks who opened up their lives in really interesting ways for us to see them, you know, on reality TV. I like to remind people that before Laverne Cox was on Orange is the New Black, she actually was on reality TV Mm. on I Want to Work for Diddy, a reality competition show working for Diddy right <laughs> working for diddy would just open up the entire world for
3: me i want to work for diddy premieres monday august 4th at 9 8 central
2: before leomi maldonado was this you know famous model and athlete and nike spokesperson and judge on the uh hbo max reality competition show legendary she was actually a contestant on america's best dance crew on mtv hmm. right um yeah. Isis King, who we all know today as like an actress, got her start in the industry on America's Next Top Model. Um, And these are people whose representations um, and whose work and whose existences also contributed to. This current moment of van- trans visibility that we are experiencing, right? Um, and I just I think it's just important to to give everyone, as many people as possible, the flowers um, mm-hmm. that they deserve because just those three names in particular that I just named they were pivotal for me mm-hmm. in my journey. Now that I can mm-hmm. you know sit down and reflect on it, but the things mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily reflective or useful for me. Are a lot of those scripted roles, which we know historically, and I would also say contemporarily, right, still Mm. often hew toward tropes and stereotypes and, you know, not fully written or well-rounded characters.
1: Totally. You know, you have all these great viewing guides in the book, and I was wondering, like, uh, this is maybe really hard, but if you had to pick one for listeners to watch like this week as kind of like maybe a homework assignment... Yes. Um. What would you assign?
2: I'm gonna go with Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil.
1: Ooh. Okay.
2: Um. You know, and I'm gonna I'm choosing that one because it has this singular um drag slash trans character. Read the book for more details in terms of mm-hmm. my thoughts around that. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, <laughs> in In Lady Chablis. You no, know, it's
3: like my mom always said. Two tears in a bucket, motherfuckers.
4: I have to remember that one.
2: It's a really good old old school drama with a fairly good role played by a trans woman um, that I think might surprise people about the type of movies and shows that can be created with trans people that does not paint us as you know some sort of stereotype um mm-hmm. or some sort of comedic fodder um exclusively so yeah midnight in the garden of good and evil
1: that's lovely that's a great recommendation thank you
2: my pleasure
1: trey thank you so much for writing such a gorgeous book and for coming on and talking to me about it i really appreciate you
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate you as well.
1: All right, that's it for this week. Thanks, as always, for listening along. It is such a pleasure to have you. You also, of course, are invited to continue the conversation over in our Facebook group. It's a private group. It's called Nerdette Headquarters. And you can find it if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash Nerdette HQ. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Baumann. J.P. Swenson builds our newsletter every week and has been contributing to it as well. You can sign up for that at wbeasy.org slash AF. And Brendan Banaszak
0: is our executive producer.
1: Have a great weekend, y'all.